Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same top menu bar, there is also a link uh, to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society. That email contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, with Section 7, Practical Forgiveness. And at the top of the hour, we pause for <clears throat> we pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, lesson one ninety seven. All things are lessons. God would have me learn. And Fran is not with us this morning, so we are looking for someone to lead the lead us in that reflection on the lesson. Okay. Let me ask Lori, do you have a poetic opening for the call this morning? I do, Lemoyne. I had so many, but this is the one that resonates with me today. It's a poem from Mary Oliver. And it goes like this. My work... My work is loving the world. Here are the sunflowers, there are the hummingbird, equal seekers of sweetness. Here are the quickening yeast, there are the blue plums, here are the clam deep in the speckled sand. Are my boots old? Is my coat worn? Am I no longer younger and still ha- not half perfect? I have to say that again. Are my boots old? Is my coat worn? Am I no longer young and still not half perfect? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. The Phoebe, the Delphinium, the sheep in the pasture in the pasture, which is mostly rejoicing since all ingredients are here, which is gratitude be given a mind and a heart and these body clothes, a mouth with which I can give shouts of joy to the moth and the wren, to be, my goodness, I don't, I'm overwhelmed by this poem this morning and I'm not giving it its justice. So I'll start that again, which is mostly rejoicing since all the ingredients are here 
which is gratitude to be given a mind and a heart and these body clothes a mouth which with which to give shouts of joy to the moth and the wren to the sleepy dug up clam telling them all over and over how it is that we live forever it's in a book called thirst by Mary Oliver thank you Mm, thank you. Thank you. That was lovely. Proper thirst, indeed. Okay, well, this morning I have with us in reading, I have Lori. Robin, Marie, and Karen with us and listening. I have Ida and Donna. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to just say good morning or join the reading list? Good morning. It's Sandra. I can read. <coughs> Great. Thank you, Sandra. Anyone else who'd like to say good morning or join the reading list? Good morning. I'll be listening. Thank you, Lemoyne. All right. Thank you, Judy. Okay. Um, looking for someone. I guess they called in and dropped. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I'll go ahead and get us this started then. With today's reading in chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, section 7, Practical Forgiveness. The practical application of the Holy Spirit's purpose is extremely simple, but it is unequivocal. In fact, in order to be simple, it must be unequivocal. The simple is merely what is easily understood, and for this it is apparent that it must be clear. The setting of the Holy Spirit's goal is general. Now he will work with you to make it specific, for application is specific. There are certain very specific guidelines he provides for any situation but remember that you do not yet realize their universal application. Therefore, it is essential at this point to use them in each situation separately until you can more safely look beyond each situation in an understanding far broader than you now possess. And Lori... Uh, Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, Section 7, Practical Forgiveness. The practical application of the Holy Spirit's purpose is extremely simple, but it is unequivocal. In fact, in order to be simple, it must be unequivocal. 
The simple is merely what is easily understood, and for this it is apparent that it must be clear. The setting of the Holy Spirit's goal is general. Now he will work with you to make it specific, for application is specific. There are certain specific guidelines he provides for any situation, but remember that you do not realize their universal application. Therefore, it is essential at this point to use them in each situation separately until you can more safely look beyond each situation in an understanding far broader than you now possess. 58. In any situation in which you are uncertain, the first thing to consider very simply is, quote, what do I want to come of this? What is it for? End quote. The clarification of the goal belongs at the beginning, for it is this which will determine the outcome, which will determine the outcome. In the ego's procedure, this is reversed. The situation becomes the determiner of the outcome, which can be anything. The reason for this disorganized approach is evident. The ego does not know what it wants to come of it. It is aware of what it does not want, but only that. It has no positive goal at all. Thank you, Lori. And Robin Murray. Fifty-eight. In any situation in which you are uncertain, the first thing to consider very simply is, quote, what do I want to come of this? What is it for? Unquote. The clarification of the goal belongs at the beginning for it is this which will determine the outcome. In the ego's procedure, this is reversed. The situation becomes the determiner of the outcome, which can be anything. The reason for this disorganized approach is evident. The ego does not know what it wants to come of it. It is aware of what it does not want, but only that. It has no positive goal at all. 59. Without a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, the situation just seems to happen and makes no sense until it has already happened. Then you look back at it and try to piece together what it must have meant, and you will be wrong. Not only is your judgment in the past but you have no idea what should happen. No goal was set with which to bring the means in line. And now the only judgment left to make is whether or not the ego likes it. Is it acceptable or does it call for vengeance? The absence of a criterion for outcome set in advance makes understanding doubtful and evaluation impossible. Thank you, Robin Murray and Karen. 59. Without a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, the situation just seems to happen and makes no sense 
until it has already happened. Then you look back at it and try to piece together what it must have meant. And you will be wrong, not only in your judgment in the past, but not only is your judgment in the past, but you have no idea what should happen. No goal was set with which to bring the means in line. And now the only judgment left to make is whether or not the ego likes it. Is it acceptable or does it call for vengeance? The absence of a criteria, criterion for outcome set in advance makes understanding doubtful and evaluation impossible. 60. The value of deciding in advance what you want to happen is simply that you will perceive the situation as a means to make it happen. You will therefore make every effort to overlook what interferes with the accomplishment of your objective and concentrate on everything which helps you meet it. It is quite noticeable that this approach has brought you closer to the Holy Spirit's sorting out of truth and falsity. The true becomes what can be used to meet the goal. The false becomes the useless from this point of view. The situation now has meaning, but only because the goal has made it meaningful. Thank you, Karen. And Sandra. Uh, 60. The value of deciding in advance what you want to happen is simply that you will perceive the situation as a means to make it happen. You will therefore make every effort to overlook what interferes with the accomplishment of your objective and concentrate on everything which helps you meet it. It is quite noticeable that this approach has brought you closer to the Holy Spirit sorting out of truth and falsity. The true becomes what can be used to meet the goal. The false becomes the useless from this point of view. The situation now has meaning, but only because the goal has made it meaningful. 61. The goal of truth has, has further practice Sorry, The goal of truth has further practical advantages. If the situation is used for truth and sanity, its outcome must be peace. And this is quite apart from what the outcome is. If peace is the condition of truth and sanity cannot be without them, where peace is, they must be. Truth comes of itself. If you experience peace, it is because the truth has come to you and you will see the outcome truly. For deception cannot prevail against you and you will recognize the outcome because you are at peace. Here again, you see the opposite of the ego's way of looking. For the ego believes the situation brings the experience. The Holy Spirit knows that the situation is as the goal determines it and is experienced according to the goal. Thank you, Sandra. 
And is there a new reader for 61 and 62? Okay. Hello. Please go ahead. Hi, Judy. Go ahead. Okay. Um, 61. The goal of truth has further practical advantages. If the situation is used for truth and sanity, its outcome must be peace. And this is quite apart from what the outcome is. If peace is the condition of truth and sanity cannot be without them, where peace is, they must be. Truth comes of itself. If you experience peace, it is because the truth has come to you. And you will see the outcome truly For deception cannot prevail against you, and you will recognize the outcome because you are at peace. Here again, you see the opposite of the ego's way of looking, for the ego believes the situation brings the experience. The Holy Spirit knows that the situation is as the goal determines it, and is experienced according to the goal. The goal of truth requires faith. Faith is implicit in the acceptance of the Holy Spirit's purpose. And this faith is all-inclusive. Where the goal of truth is set, their faith must be. The Holy Spirit sees the situation as a whole. The goal establishes the fact that everyone involved in it will play its part in its accomplishment. (laughs) It's fabulous. This is inevitable. No one will fail in anything. This seems to ask for faith beyond you and beyond what you can give, yet this is so only from the viewpoint of the ego. For the ego believes in, quote, solving, unquote, conflict through fragmentation and does not perceive the situation as a whole. Therefore, it seeks to split off segments of the situation and deal with them separately, for it has faith in separation and not in wholeness. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for um, 62 and 63? I can read Lemoyne it's Lana. All right. Great, Lana. A 62. Uh, the goal of truth requires faith. Faith is implicit in the acceptance of the Holy Spirit's purpose. And this faith is all-inclusive. Where the goal of truth is set, their faith must be. The Holy Spirit sees the situation as a whole. The goal establishes the fact that everyone involved in it will play his part in its accomplishment. This is inevitable. No one will fail in anything. This seems to ask for faith beyond you and go and and 
I'm sorry. This seems to ask for faith beyond you and beyond what you can give. Yet this is so only from the viewpoint of the ego, for the ego believes in solving, in quotes, conflict through fragmentation and does not perceive the situation as a whole. Therefore, it seeks to split off segments of the situation and deal with them separately, for it has faith in separation and not in wholeness. Excuse me. 63. Confronted with any aspect of the situation which seems to be difficult, the ego will attempt to take this aspect elsewhere and resolve it there. And it will seem to be successful, except that this attempt conflicts with unity and must obscure the goal of truth. And peace will not be experienced except in fantasy. Truth has not come because faith has been denied, being withheld from where it rightfully belonged. Thus do you lose the understanding of the situation the goal of truth would bring. For fantasy solutions bring but the illusion of experience, and the illusion of peace is not the condition in which the truth can enter. Thank you, Lana. And is there another new reader for 63 and 64? Another new reader for 63 and 4? Okay, back to you, Lori. 63. Fronted with any aspect of the situation which seems to be difficult, the ego will attempt to take this aspect elsewhere and resolve it there. And it will seem to be successful, except that this attempt conflicts with unity and must obscure the goal of truth. And peace will not be experienced except in fantasy. Truth has not come because faith has been denied being withheld from where it rightfully belonged. Thus do you lose the understanding of the situation the goal of truth would bring. For fantasy solutions bring but the illusion of experience, and the illusion of peace is not the condition in which truth can enter. 64. The substitutes for aspects of the situation are the witnesses to your lack of faith, They demonstrate that you did not believe that the situation and the problem were in the same place. The problem was the lack of faith, and it is this you demonstrate when you remove it from its source and place it elsewhere. As a result, you do not see the problem. Had you not lacked faith, it could be, excuse me, had you not lacked faith, it could be solved, the problem would be gone and the situation would have been meaningful to you because the interference in the way of understanding would have been removed. To remove the problem elsewhere is to keep it. For you, remove yourself from it and make it unsolvable. Thank you, 
Well, thank you, Lori. And Robin Marie. Sixty-four. The substitutes for aspects of the situation are the witnesses to your lack of faith. They demonstrate that you did not believe that the situation and the problem were in the same place. The problem was, was the lack of faith, and it is this you demonstrate when you remove it from its source and place it elsewhere. As a result, you do not see the problem. Had you not lacked a faith, it could be solved. The problem would be gone, and the situation would have been, been meaningful to you because the interference in the way of understanding would have been removed. To remove the problem elsewhere is to keep it, for you remove yourself from it and make it unsolvable. <clears throat> Thank you, Robin Marie. And uh, I just want to say this this (laughs) section so short and clear. um, I would actually like to read it again (laughs) in the hopes it might sink in a little deeper for me, at least. Sounds great. And so, you know, I'd. We have, uh, let me do this first, right off the top. Is there another new reader who would like to join us and read the single paragraph in the second reading? This is Donna. I can read now. Thank you. Great. Okay. Um, All right. This, This does have the... I have the aspect where, okay, let me say what it is first. I'm going to reverse the order and uh, call you out, call people out one at a time, Um, just to read one paragraph. So um, let's see. In that case, uh, what what I'll do, ask is, uh, Lana, would you get us started with 57? Yes, I will. I'm 57. Well, I should start off with the title. Hold on a second. Sorry, I'm on my daughter's laptop and I'm familiar with it. Okay, Forgiveness, Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, Section 7, Practical Forgiveness, Paragraph 57. Um, The practical application of the Holy Spirit's purpose is extremely simple, but it is unequivocal. In fact, in order to be simple, it must be unequivocal. The simple is merely what is easily understood. For this, it is apparent that it must be clear. The setting of the Holy Spirit's goal is general. Now he will work with you to make it specific in brackets, for application is specific. 
there are certain very specific guidelines he provides for any situation. But remember that you do not yet realize their universal application. Therefore, it is essential at this point to use them in each situation separately until you can more safely look beyond each situation in an understanding far broader than you now possess. Thank you, Lana. And Judy, 58? Yes, thank you. 58. In any situation in which you are uncertain, the first thing to consider very simply is, what do I want to come of this? What is this for? The clarification... (laughs) My mind went right to the lesson for today. (laughs) The clarification of the goal belongs at the beginning, for it is this which will determine the outcome. In the ego's procedure, this is reversed. The situation becomes the determiner of the outcome, which can be anything. The reason for this disorganized approach is evident. The ego does not know what it wants to come of it. It is aware of what it does not want, but only that. It has no positive goal at all. Thank you, Judy. And Sandra? Fifty-nine. <clears throat> oh, we're, uh, we're not repeating, right? So is it 59 or 60? Yes, just 59. 59. Okay, got confused. Without a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, the situation just seems to happen and makes no sense until it, has, until it has already happened. Then you look back at it and try to piece together what it must have meant, and you will be wrong. Not only is your judgment in the past, but you have no idea what should happen. No goal was set with which to bring the means in line. And now the only judgment left to make is whether or not the ego likes it. Is it acceptable or does it call for vengeance? The absence of criterion for outcomes set in advance makes understanding doubtful and evaluation impossible. Oops. Backwards on the mute. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Sandra. And I'll bring you in here. Donna, would you read 60? 60. The value of deciding in advance what you want to happen is simply that you will perceive the situation as a means to make it happen. You will therefore make every effort to overlook what interferes with the accomplishment of your objective and concentrate on everything which helps you meet it. It is quite noticeable that this approach has brought you closer to the Holy Spirit sorting out of truth and falsity. The true becomes what can be used to meet the goal. The false becomes the useless from this point of view. 
The situation now has meaning, but only because the goal has made it meaningful. Thank you, Donna. And Karen? 61. The goal of truth has further practical advantages. If the situation is used for truth and sanity, its outcome must be peace. And this is quite apart from what the outcome is. If peace is the condition of truth and sanity and cannot be without them, where peace is, they must be. Truth comes of itself. If you experience peace, it is because truth has come to you and you will see the outcome truly for deception cannot prevail against you. And you will recognize the outcome because you are at peace. Here again, you see the opposite of the ego's way of looking. For the ego believes the situation brings the experience. The Holy Spirit knows that the situation is as the goal determines it and is experienced according to the goal. Thank you, Karen. And uh, uh, Robin Marie. Sixty-two. The goal of truth requires faith. Faith is implicit in the acceptance of the Holy Spirit's purpose. And this faith is all-inclusive. Where the goal of truth is set, their faith must be. The Holy Spirit sees the situation as a whole. The goal establishes the fact that everyone involved in it will play his part in its accomplishment. This is inevitable. No one will fail in anything. This seems to ask for faith beyond you and beyond what you can give. Yet this is so only from the viewpoint of the ego, for the ego believes in, quote, solving, unquote, conflict through fragmentation and does not perceive the situation as a whole. Therefore, it seeks to split off segments of the situation and deal with them separately, for it has faith in separation and not in wholeness. Thank you, Robin Marie. You made a one-off error. Um, so let me ask, is there a new reader for paragraph 63? New reader for 63? Okay, I'll go ahead and read this. Confronted with any aspect of the situation which seems to be difficult, the ego will attempt to take this aspect elsewhere and resolve it there. And it will seem to be successful, except that this attempt conflicts with unity and must obscure the goal of truth. And peace will not be experienced except in fantasy. 
Truth has not come because space has been denied and being withheld from where... <clears throat> Start that sentence again. Truth has not come because faith has been denied, being withheld from where it rightfully be- belonged. Thus do you lose the understanding of the situation the goal of truth would bring. For fantasy solutions bring but the illusion of experience, and the illusion of peace is not the condition in which the truth can enter. And Laurie. Sixty-four. The substitutes for aspects of the situation are the witnesses to your lack of faith. They demonstrate that you did not believe that the situation and the problem were in the same place. The problem was the lack of faith, and it is this you demonstrate when you remove it from its source and place it elsewhere. As a result, you do not see the problem. Had you not lacked faith it could be solved, the problem would be gone, and the situation would have been meaningful to you because the interference in the way of understanding would have been removed. To remove the problem elsewhere is to keep it, for you remove yourself from it and make it unsolvable. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Well, we have reached the top of the hour, and Brand uh, is not with us today, so I do ask ask here again for a volunteer to lead us in. Uh, remembering our lesson for the day, lesson 193. Would anyone like to lead that this morning? Okay. Well, this is Lori, and I can make an attempt. <laughs> um, such a thorough lesson, it's hard to take even one sentence out of it. Um, but I'd be happy to lead us in a meditation. Well, thank you, Lori. So, lesson 193. All things are lessons God would have me learn. God does not know of learning, yet his will extends to what he does not understand, that he wills the happiness his son inherited of him, the undisturbed, eternal, and forever gaining in scope, eternally expanding in the joy of full creation. 
and eternally open and wholly limitless in him. This is his will, and thus his will provides the means to guarantee that it is done. God does not perceive at all, yet it is he who gives the means by which perception is made true and beautiful enough to let the light of heaven shine upon it. God offers no forgiveness where he knows no sin is possible, and yet he let his holy law of love be given form in which it could be offered to the world. Thus he encompassed what he could not see nor understand by giving of his love and making answer to a question which, though meaningless, his son had asked of him. The one whom God created to replace the foolish thoughts which crept into the mind of his most holy son with peace and joy fulfills his function now. He redirects each lesson you would teach in hate to one in which forgiveness enters and returns the hate to love so that fear is gone. And now guilt cannot enter, for its source has been excluded as the purpose of the lesson has been changed to guiltlessness. The hatred has been rooted out by love. These are the lessons God would have you learn. His will reflects them all, and they reflect his loving kindness to the son he loves. Each lesson has a central thought, the same in all of them. The form alone has changed with different circumstances and events, with different characters and different themes, apparent but not real. They are the same in fundamental content, and it is this. Forgive, and you will see this differently. Certain it is that all distress does not appear to be but unforgiveness, yet that is the content underneath the form. It is this sameness which makes learning sure because the lesson is so simple that it cannot be rejected in the end. Forgive and you will see this differently. These are the words the Holy Spirit speaks in all your tribulations, all your pain, all suffering, regardless of its forms. These are the words which end the dream of sin and rid the mind of fear. These are the words by which salvation comes to all the world. Shall we not learn to say these words when we have understood their power to release all minds from bondage? These are the words which give you power over all events which seem to have been given power over you. You see them rightly when you hold these words in full awareness and do not forget these words apply to everything you see or any brother looks upon amiss. All things are lessons God would have you learn. He would not leave an unforgiving thought without correction, nor one thorn or nail to hurt his sacred son in any way. He would ensure his holy rest remained untroubled and serene without a care in an eternal home which cares for him and he would have all tears be wiped away, with none remaining yet unshed, and none but waiting their appointed time to fall. For God has willed that laughter should replace each one, and that his son be free again. Today we will attempt to overcome a thousand seeming obstacles to peace in just one day. 
let mercy come to you more quickly. Do not try to hold it off another day, another minute, or another instant. Time was made for this. Use it today for what its purpose is, morning and night. Devote what time you can to serve its purpose, its proper aim. And do not let the time be less than meets your deepest need. Give all you can and give a little more. For now we would rise in haste and go unto our Father's house. Each hour spend a little time today and in the days to come in practicing the lesson in forgiveness in the form established for the day and try to give it application to the happenings the hour brought so that the next one is free of the one before. The chains of time are easily unloosened in this way. But no one hour casts its shadow on the one that follows. And when that one goes, let everything that happens in its course go with it. Thus will you remain unbound in peace eternal in the world of time. This is the lesson God would have you learn. There is a way to look on everything that lets it be to you another step to him into salvation of the world. To all that speaks in terror, answer thus. I will forgive, and this will disappear. Do not deny these little steps he asks you to take to him. And now we'll take five minutes.
These are the lessons God would have you learn. His will reflects them all, and they reflect his loving kindness to the son he loves. Each lesson has a central thought, the same in all of them. The form alone is changed with different circumstances and events, different characters and different themes, apparent but not real. They are the same in fundamental content. It is this. Forgiving, you will see this differently. All things are lessons God would have me learn. Men. This is Donna. You know me. This is Donna. And God urged me <clears throat> to attend the lesson to the, the, the reading today, <clears throat> even though I was driving and had to have the phone on my shoulder. And uh, this lesson is exactly the one I need. All things are lessons. God would have me learn. And the thing I've been going through is this uh, emotional not knowing what to do uh, about a situation where I only want peace in it, and I don't want to offend anybody. And then in 20, it says, to every apprehension. And I thought, that's what I'm feeling, apprehension. I didn't know what to do about this thing. And now I'm reminded it's just a lesson. And if I let the Holy Spirit guide me, he'll take care of it, and there'll be peace with, with me and the individual that I'm walking this tender little time with. So I'm so grateful to God, first of all, and to the lesson and to the faithfulness of it happening every day. I am complete. Oh, Donna, that was a perfect weaving of the lesson and the reading. Thank you so much. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Good morning, Donna. And I agree, Donna. At least the lesson and the reading like you said, Laurie, weave together so, so beautifully today. For me, I just looked at it as an instruction of what wholeness is rather than fragmentation. And, um, you know, it reminds me, you know, it says the Holy Spirit's uh, purpose is extremely simple, but it is unequivocal. And I... Of course, truth and wholeness has to be unequivocal because it's one. And it reminds me, too, it points my mind to where Jesus tells us in the Course that it's impossible for anyone to judge justly because he can't know of all the ramifications, all the puzzle pieces that need to be known in order to make a just judgment. He only has his limited perception. So he says, if you can't judge justly, at least judge everything as innocent. And it also points, another aspect of wholeness is um, cause and effect. You know, when I look at a fragment of something, I'm looking at an effect. And of course, we all know the healing, I have to take mind to cause. I have to return my mind 
to the cause and not to solution. Yet in the healing of the mind, because there's no gap in cause and effect, in healing the cause, the effects are healed as well because there's no separation. And, you know, it's it's like... Um, Oh, I don't know. It's such. It's so beautifully explained here. You know what is it for? When the goal, when my goal is whole, and my goal is that what it's for is the Holy Spirit's purpose, which is peace, inner peace. Because I know, I recognize that when I'm in a state of peace, it doesn't matter because there are no problems. There are no. Oh, I'm at peace, all except for this. I'm either at peace or I'm not. So in a true healing, when my mind goes back to peace, it's gone back to wholeness because I can't perceive anything that disrupts it. So when I always choose peace, doesn't matter. I might have five problems, imagine problems that I, you know, fragments <laughs> floating out there in my mind. But when I heal the cause all those fragments disappear and I return to peace. You know, so it's it's just a beautiful lesson and I know I'm forgetting a few things I wanted to include. They left my mind right now. But that's the gist of it. You know, it's it's like the tr- the tr- even with the lesson today, you know, I will forgive and this will disappear because forgiveness, true forgiveness, is when I recognize that there's nothing to forgive. So uh, Jesus says in another place that forgiveness is like a happy fiction because it points to the truth instead of away from it. When I when I decide to forgive, I'm in tr- I'm I am deciding for the cause of whatever needs to forgive to be healed, and in that healing, whatever fragments I have floating around about judgments or fear or I don't know um, any grievance all that is wrapped up in the healing because healing is whole and so I can say I can forgive and this will disappear because it was never true to begin with it was just an imagination an imagining of my mind that I judged based on faulty information because I couldn't see the total picture. I only saw my fragments of it. So I judged it unjustly, which created a situation, a separation. And I had to stop for a moment and remember that I'm whole and choose wholeness and choose peace and choose the holy purpose, Holy Spirit's purpose of forgiveness to have that healed and then my mind returns to wholeness and whatever those misperceptions and misjudgments were, they disappear because they were never true. They were just imaginings. So anyway, I, I really love how both the lesson and the, and the reading today sort of tie together in a lesson in wholeness and oneness and the one goal, which is always peace. Or Jesus says the motivation for doing this course is inner peace. So I'm complete. Thank you for listening. That was beautiful, Anna. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Lana. Including so many features of the gift. Good morning, it's Karen. I have to go out and um, I actually have to go to the doctor, so I wanted to jump in. But um, Robin Marie, before you go to work, do you want to say anything? Oh, I'm just enjoy. I'm enjoying hearing all of this. It's a great lesson, and definitely have a few things that will uh, be helped by it. <laughs> just right in front of me. So, thank you very much, everybody. Okay. Good morning. It's Karen. Um, I really, really meditated on this because it seemed it seemed like a vague understanding came to me of what this was about, but then I wanted to make it practical because the reading itself was called Practical Forgiveness. So how can I make this real to my mind as a good takeaway for the lesson? All things are lessons God would have me learn. Well, I think the first thing is going back to the reading and the reading saying that the Holy Spirit wants us to set a goal before we start out, you know, before we do anything. What is the goal of my day, for instance? The goal of my day is to walk in my true self, to be the peace, to extend God's love, um, to be in my true holy self, my Christ self, and not my ego mind. And then things happen and things come up in the forefront and then I have to have the prayer um, if I forgive I can see this differently so if something comes up and it disturbs me which the lesson reflects back to us go back and look at every hour what disturbed you because in what disturbs you you'll see what's blocking your true Christ self so for example, and I'm going to use examples because I'm trying to make this, ground this into my own understanding. So yesterday I went out and I got a haircut and I went to the grocery store. Well, those are my ego goals, right? And along the way, anything can happen. You know, I might get stuck in traffic or they don't have what I wanted at the grocery store or I got a bad haircut. Those are not the Holy Spirit's goals. The Holy Spirit's goals is that when I go into the salon to get my hair cut, that I bring the peace of Christ with me and bless the person cutting my hair and leave the light filling the space of the, of the salon so every person who comes in after me will feel the vibrations of peace and holiness. If I go to the store, it's not to see if they have the bread I wanted. It's, again, you know, to, to extend the peace and the patience and the love of the divine while I move through this world, this material world. And so the Holy Spirit's goal is very general, right? But it applies specifically. So I'm standing in line, for instance, this didn't happen, but trying to make it concrete. You know, maybe um, something happens in the line and or it, it isn't moving and there's such a big crowd and I have to get back to the salon because I'm going to lose my place in line. The Holy Spirit would be saying to me, you know, forgive this, forgive this ego goal. Let go of this ego goal of being on time. Let go of the way things should happen according to my ego 
and just extend peace. Forgive means to give up my ego goals. They fragment. The ego is always fragmenting everything. I go to visit my daughter. Is it a good visit? Well, we wanted to go to the, you know, do this and do that. Those are fragments. Was it a good visit? Were we in the, the love of the divine? Were we uplifted in the light of the Holy Spirit while I was there? You know, it's not about whether I had a, a decent drive or I was stuck in traffic. That's an ego goal. That's a fragment. That's a diversion. That's an after the fact I make it, oh, whether it was a success or a failure based on what my ego evaluates after it's over. But that is not God's plan. God's plan is, do I walk in peace? Do I extend uh, God's spirit while I'm moving through this world? And if not, that's okay because all things are lessons God would have me learn. It's just becoming more conscious, setting my intention and trying to stay true to the goal. I have to learn how to do this better. I'm not perfect right now. You know, that's why I have to have all these these seeming obstacles because there are places that my ego has created blocks that need to be removed. And I can't remove them um, if I don't work with it, you know. If, the, if everything just flows, which it will eventually because God only wants my happiness, and after the blocks are removed, I will be flowing without any obstructions. But if there are obstructions in the present moment, it's only to purify me. It's only so I can forgive the blocks, release the blocks, train my mind to do this. And what is the, the, the topic of faith in the reading? Faith is the all-inclusive faith that God is holding for us. You know, when you go to a healer and you say, the healer is holding space for all of us. You know, Lori and Lemoyne are holding space for all of us to, you know, understand the Course more deeply. That's the faith. It holds everything. It holds the goal. And it holds the goal in this, in this um, non-specific kind of way. We come together to share the Course in Miracles, to, to accomplish this goal of learning the right way to think, to deconstruct the ego's thought system. That's what our goal is when we come together, right? And the space that is the space that Lori and Lemoyne are holding for us with the Holy Spirit, that's faith. Faith holds the goal of the Holy Spirit. And um, let's see if there's anything else. Anyway, I just wanted to make it more concrete and practical. The, the goal the Holy Spirit wants me to learn today is to take the goal of this course and in this class and take it out with me while I'm at the doctor's. You know, here we're sharing the truth, but we can share the truth without words when we're out and about in the world. And, and if anything irritates me or if I fall into my ego mind, that's only so I can learn to forgive, release the block, and deepen in the pure space of the Christ light. I'm complete. Oh, Karen, that 
that share just wrapped it all together. Very, very beautiful. Thank you so yeah. much. Yes, thank you. You sure summed it up perfectly. That was so concise and clear, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> and no way can I follow you, Lana, and you, Karen, but that's all right because it's not a contest. Um, this is Ida. Hi, good morning. Um, all right, so all things are lessons God would have me learn. So I think what Karen touched on is my lesson for what I'm about to tell you. It's just, you know, to bring the peace of God into it. But um, after I was getting home from the doctor yesterday because I wasn't feeling well, um, about 5 p.m., uh, there was a thing in my door that said they're going to spray, you're going to bomb the, uh, this building for roaches on Friday. And, you know, my, and I think that that stuff that they bomb with would be good for me or my cat. You know, I know we have to be away and I have to figure out where am I going to go, where is the cat going to go, and how am I going to get help to get ready for it because even my next-door neighbor said, well, I can't help you this time because I have to get my own place ready. And, but neither you nor I can do this by ourselves but between now and on Friday. Friday's not enough time. And he talked to them and they wouldn't change the time. And um, I have to admit, I feel like the landlord is the bad guy. Like the old, where the title comes from, landlord, the actual lords and ladies in Europe and stuff, and the serfs I learned about in high school history or whatever. I feel like I'm a surf. I'm a poor surf, you know, tilling the land and whatever. And I'm I'm being weighed down by this landlord that keeps demanding things of me that may or may not be good for me. But I have to remember <laughs> from the course, quote, I am in danger nowhere in the world. So that means that ultimately that that bug bomb stuff can't hurt me or my kitty. And I have to believe that, even though I've had, I've had, I've had, uh, um, in the past, I felt like it did, you know, hurt my nervous system or my brain or both. And, um, and that if I, if I have to sign a thing and take it over today, sign it, I'll get a copy so I know exactly what they want. But, um, like, to um well I forgot what I was gonna say about it. Oh yeah, but if I'm not ready it said that um I may be fined and I can't really afford to have a fine this month because I pretty much ran out of um money in my account last week and had to ask my son for money which he said he would and could give me. He he works hard but he makes a really good income, my older son and um but don't make a habit of it, basically. So I told him I wouldn't, and um, and get free food, like food boxes and stuff. Um, so um, I can't afford a fine. And but do they care? No, I don't really think so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm judging. This is not what the course tells me to do. So the goal must be that the spiritual goal, like Karen was talking about, the inner peace, the peace of God, no matter what appears to happen. 
on the outer level. I mean, I'll do the best I can to do all this stuff, but for me, it's a really, really big deal because I just don't have a lot of stamina um, with my physical body. To I can do one thing, and that might be it for the for at least half a day or maybe the whole day if I go through one whole pile of stuff. That's the one big one that I have here in, in under the cart. But um, a lot of papers, a lot of books, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, so I know you wish me the best with all that. And most importantly, wish me the best with not ha- not judging, but forgiving, extending forgiveness instead. If I can't love them, then I have to forgive them and not holding them, not seeing myself as being attacked here. You know what I mean? So thanks so much, and um, I'm complete. Boy, I certainly share that with you, Ida. I certainly do. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. I know exactly where you are. I've been there. Um, that was a lovely, authentic, and honest sharing. Thank you. A blessings on your whole situation, Ida. May you have the peace on Friday and everything just flow perfectly. Blessings to you. Thank you, you guys. You know, Ida, that reminded me of yesterday, you know, on my computer when I found out that it needed to go in the repair shop and, and um, I would be out one, without one for a week. Well, you know, I I meditated upon it and I saw that the true problem the one unequivocal (laughs) issue was I wasn't at peace. So when I asked for peace, it it was then that all the solutions unfolded before me. You know, all, you know, and I shared them yesterday where one thing happened to another, to another, until, until the final one when um, my daughter reminded me that she had a laptop that I could use until mine was repaired. So in asking for peace, which was the fundamental issue, the, the generalized um, problem and solution, they're both in the same place. When I asked for peace and all the effects of my um, unpeace were healed along with that because into peace, because there was no separation between or gap between cause and effect, when I went to the cause, I... Um, was given, all the effects were healed with it. So, um, you know, that was such a beautiful healing yesterday and a reminder that nothing is impossible with God. I'm complete. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. That was great. You know, the whole thing makes me realize that In the past, which, of course, Jesus says in the Course does not exist. It's only in our ego minds. But in the past, I saw myself growing up and and being a young woman and time since then as continually being attacked by people, by agencies, by governments, by stores, by by people. And uh, 
I have to heal that, get rid of it, heal that perception of myself because that's not really who I am. That's not really who anybody is, no matter what they think in their ego minds and their personality, you know, about the past, quote unquote. You know, so I think that that's part of my goal is that this experience is going to help me let go of seeing myself as always being attacked, um, always having to fight back or defend myself. If I defend myself, right, the Course says, I am attacked. <laughs> Thank you, I'm complete. Excellent point, Ida. Thank you. And thank you, Ida. Sorry, I thought I was on mute. I hope I wasn't making noise unnecessarily. The um, lesson in the reading. Good, good morning, everybody. It's Jude. The lesson in the reading both today are bringing home to me a. Uh, um, a new a new sense of, of a true self of understanding um, what where my place is in the in the peace and the the comfort and the protection the safety being at home in the mind of God resting in trust um, the lesson really um, speaks a lot of the the two different thought systems and how judgment judgment writes a fearful script you know listening to what the the body's sensorial senses and sensorial experience in the world um, that we think we are that we think is our reality which is is an appearance a temporal a temporal state that comes and goes, which is really just in the mind, the separated part of the one Son of God that's manifesting as, as people and bodies and um, playing roles, you know, that they don't know the truth of who they are, that we are one-minded, one soul, one spirit, perfectly protected and perfectly saved, that nothing can touch or hurt me. But the lesson really just saying to me that, that you know, God, God's given me everything. He gave me himself when he created me. All things are lessons, and um, it, it speaks of the laws of love now, um, whereas, it, whereas it used to be referred to the laws of God, the laws of love that keep the kingdom united, protected, and perfectly safe that we each have it within us to know this, that we are all of it, um, that transcendental awareness that everything is within me. There is nothing outside of me. And um, that it's all-encompassing and that it's all love. So when I read all things, our lessons of love, God would have me learn again today every day, day in and day out. Learn and, and be happy. Learn learn that everything God has given to me is his gift of love to me. And nothing 
should threaten me or make me afraid. This is the Holy Spirit's one interpretation. Instead of the ego's 10,000 fearful interpretations of 10,000 things I need to be afraid of and feel threatened by. Um, the one holy perception of holiness itself. And that guarantees, you know, the, the happiness that he is, is his son inherited of God himself, beyond disturbed, eternal, and forever, gaining in scope, eternally expanding in the joy of full creation. I mean, doesn't that just make your heart open and feel all embracing and in and, and, and love and, and welcoming and, and, and anticipating um, the joys that, that today will bring without fear, to let the fear go. And I think this, this, the lines about letting go of what I, the ego thinks it knows, the line that says, let no one hour cast its shadow on the one that follows. Let me not remember what I thought about this lesson at 8 o'clock. Let me forget and just have a new experience of this lesson here and now. And let everything that happens in its course go with it. So I'll be unbound by time and space, by my thoughts. I'll be unbound by my own thoughts. Let all my thoughts go, everything I think I know. So I can be at peace. A tranquil mind, a still mind, is, is no small gift. And what do I value? And what do I invest myself in? Do I invest myself in doing the lesson truly? Or am I going to bring experiences of doing this lesson 10, 15 years in a row? Or am I going to have a new experience of it today? And not only letting go of the past, but letting go of the future. Every worry, concern, care, apprehension, what's to come, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. I cast my cares and, and concerns and worries upon him who created me to love me perfectly, my perfect father loving me perfectly. And do I want to experience that today? I do. I really, really do. Where are you, Father? I want to see what your love expresses and reveals to me today. I want to see what the lessons of your love would have me learn today. Amen. I'm complete. That's beautiful, Judy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. Hi, this is Steve. Good morning, everybody. And uh, what's coming up for me is, you know, this whole path, it's very real. It's very practical. It's every day. And it's not anything at all to do with the belief system. It has to do with experiencing a certain perspective on the inside of me. And the fact is, for me, the world, although it's called unreal, the world on the outside of me, you know, there's trees, there's a sky I'm looking at, there's wood, 
and it's hitting my eyes and it gets interpreted inside of my brain. Now, sometimes circumstances like the weather, it's really stormy sometimes. And for me to like have this anticipation that life on the outside should always be a certain way, I think part of living is there's going to be uncomfortable times. There's going to be times when I don't like it. There's going to be times when I may have pain or sickness. This is part of this life. I don't try to chalk it off as, as oh, this is an illusion and it's, it's, it's not real. And then think about my, my truth as being a life of, of, of uh, California weather, all that perfect weather all the time, no clouds, no storms. But the thing is, is that with this inner choice, I can bear, I can go through painful times, I could go through loss, but I have something else going on as my co-pilot, myself. So for me to measure the state of heaven as some sort of made-up weather that is perfect, that's not real. But what is real is having this inner connection, which is, for me, in the now, has never changed. The I am that I am, the witness, whatever you want to call it. And when tough times come, I don't lose sight of the uh, and this too shall pass. Uh, but I don't judge it as, oh, there must be something wrong with my thinking, including when I judge someone. I, I can just go, oh, that's interesting. That's another uh, weather pattern, which is fine. It comes, it goes. But the one thing that doesn't come and go is that I am that I am, the witness, or call it the Holy Spirit, or call it my co-pilot. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, I I really like the part of the text where it talks about, um, you know, understanding what the goal of truth, setting setting the goal of truth um, at the beginning, and and trusting, and having faith that w- that um, everyone will take their part in it as a whole. That really really fascinated me. The um, the goal of truth requires faith. Um, I was in a conversation with a bunch of friends last night, and we were talking about um, doubt and um, and faith, faith and trust, and um, God, what what God was, what we you know, and and beliefs, beliefs, and and um, you know the course the course speaks of of n- no belief is is wholly true, and. Um, but the truth is everywhere, and it, it and it's obvious, and it can't be denied that it's it, it's whole and it's complete and it's everywhere and it's omnipresent, um, and to trust in its all inclusivity. 
but that um, when we separate it out, and I, I think I'm, I'm trying to trying to pull something out about this this doubt and uncertainty that we were talking about last night. But the the um, core the core of the text speaks of this. When you're uncertain, ask, "What do I want to come of this?" And what is being uncertain but being doubtful? I don't know. Um, but not to trust in the ego's um, separate point of view because from that point of view of separation, it is, it's going to, it's not going to come out. It's only going to come out in, in uh, a fantasy, <laughs> an illusion of experience, an illusion of peace. And it's not the condition in which truth can enter. So that, this is something for, for contemplation, for um, a deeper understanding as far as I'm concerned. The, the, um, the superficial relationships of the ego in the world and, and it's overlooking the content because it's so preoccupied with the form, with the weather or with the, with the objects of perception. We think it's reality. It's not reality. The, the content of reality is twice removed from form. And it's formless. It's invisible. And, and it's intuitive. And it's beyond the mind. So the, um, the, practic- the practical nature of this, applying this to me, is, is really letting go, letting go. Of thinking, you know, having it, having the um, the empty, a clear-mindedness that um, waits, not waits, but um, welcomes, you know, with an open heart, anything that comes up, and without judging it, you know, responding to it in in love and compassion and kindness. The um, the test for truth comes up. For me in this reading and lesson today, the rules for decision come come up for me here today with this this text in this lesson and um, you know the um, the idea of focusing on the truth, which is my goal, the the totality of my reality, which is the open-minded, transcendental nature of the mind and not specific and concrete in form. So it's a a great big kind of opening. And, um, you know, the whole idea of problems is of the ego's making. I think it all comes from a separate personal sense of interpretation. And, And as I said before, the Holy Spirit has one interpretation. It's all God. It's all holy, and you can't slice and dice it, you know, and take out aspects of it and say, this doesn't belong here. We'll kick this to the curb and reject it. It accepts unconditionally and loves everything unconditionally. And that's what holds it together, the love that holds it together, the love that makes it what it is, it with a capital I and is with a capital I. So this is a very powerful, powerful reading for me today. Thank you 
for letting me go into it a little more deeply. I hope it was helpful in some way to somebody or anybody. I love you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Your shares are always helpful to me. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's Lana. Um, you know what you shared and what Steve shared too. It it, it pointed me to um, somewhere in the course. Jesus says the only reality the world has is the love I bring to it, and. Um, and over the years, it's he's um, shown me that it's not what I see, but how I see it. And he um, tells me that love's the only reality. And there's a lesson that says uh, you're upset because you're seeing something that isn't there. So the illusion, the illusion for me is my misperception, not what I'm seeing, but how I'm seeing it. And love continues to be the only litmus test of reality because love is the only reality, you know, and Jesus teaches that in the Course, too. So I love what you shared, Steve, because you truly um, shared what or demonstrated how you see the world. You see the world through the eyes of love. I do, too, on the porch every morning, you know, with the birds and the squirrels and the beautiful trees and the sun shining. And when it's um, cloudy and overcast, you know, I appreciate that too, that all nature is being um, fed with the rain and um, refreshed by that. So in the lesson, all things are lessons God would have me learn. You know, the lessons are, is for me, am I seeing this with love or Am I seeing something that isn't there? Am I seeing something other than what is? And it can show up in many ways. But when I when I decide not to do battle with it or engage it and then just um, offer it up to forgiveness, you know, because that connection, as long as I'm connected to my source, I stay in peace. It's only when I forget who I am you know, Jesus tells me the goal of this course is know thyself. And when I know myself, I know how to navigate this world and this life and these experiences. And what shows up, it's like, it's that like God's teaching me to see love where love seems not to be. And I can only do that by returning my mind to God whenever I mistakenly see something that I judge to be other than love. And when that happens, it's always returning the mind to God. (laughs) Heal my perception because I'm seeing something other than love. I'm seeing something that's not there. And um, he returns me to peace. And you know, like everybody else, I've had devastating experiences. But when I look at my past, some of my greatest spiritual growth spurts have come through devastation or devastating experience, what I judge to be devastating experience. And they, I mean, it was the one, you know, the one, one of the experiences was 
when I actually turned my whole life over to God. It wasn't in gratitude. It was through desperation. You know, so everything is a lesson God would have me learn. Everything is a lesson which guides me back to him. Everything is a pointer back to love. Either in gratitude, I can be grateful for everything now, but I sure didn't see gratitude when I was experiencing them. But that didn't change the truth of it now. You know, I say everything's a lesson or a blessing. I call it all blessings. You know, <laughs> everything is teaching me who I am. Uh, so thank you both for your shares. I'm complete. Hi there. Thank you, Ida. Thank Her, you. Lana, that was perfect. Lana, yeah. I, I just want to say real quickly that the biggest lie that is worldwide for thousands of years and the biggest wonder is that what I'm looking for is not out there. That which I'm looking for is inside of me. And to be, to when I see a sunrise and I go, wow, where is the wow happening? It's not happening outside of my brain mind. It's an inside job. Everything is an inside job. And the biggest lie is that out there is where I can find peace. When circumstances become that way, when indeed I can go to the source of joy that is always inside of my heart. So I say it's time to sit down and eat at the feast. I'm complete. Yeah, dinner is served. <laughs> thank you, Steve. In a nutshell, thank you, Steve. This has been a really great call. I've heard so many wonderful things and so many beautiful thoughts crossed my mind this morning. This is Lori and and you know, if if um if one had to consider uh, a lesson and a section to be the entire representation of the course, these two are uh, perfect examples. I was reflecting on everything I heard today, and I made a list. Um, for example, this reading and this lesson are why divine abstraction takes joy in application. Uh, this lesson and this reading together could be called How to Become a Light Worker. Uh, this lesson and this reading 
could be the explanation for why my holiness blesses the world. This lesson and this reading together could be a step-by-step for how to teach only love for that is what you are. It could be a good description of teach peace to learn it. Um, It could be a good representation of why it's the privilege of the forgiven to forgive or be here now. Um, But one of the most beautiful that came to me was something written by Eddie Hellstrom. And, And it was a prayer that she wrote in her diary. She wrote, We must learn to defend your dwelling place within us. We must learn how to defend your dwelling place within us. There's this subtle kind of separation. I love the way this lesson talks about time. I really do. Um, Because there's this thing um, in any how-to. You know, I read any how-to or any practical forgiveness or rules for decision. And instantly there's this little thing in my mind that says, you're not perfect yet. Your goal is how to do as he says. Your goal is, and and this subtle thing happens where my mind splits into my present self and my ideal future self. That's what this lesson resolves for me. All things are lessons God would have me learn. I'm no longer viewing my present self separate from my future self. I'm looking at every specific occasion as a gift where I can practice. Divine abstraction takes joy in application. Every specific instant is another occasion where I can find something my father wants me to see another occasion where I can experience a miracle this is this lesson this lesson probably as much as any other lesson all things are lessons God would have me learn forgive and you will see this differently is why or how I finally learned that forgiveness and miracles are God's gifts that walk hand in hand with each other. It's how how um, somehow my mind made a leap to, I'm not a future self, I'm a now self, and it's all just great. Because everything becomes something where I can learn what I am and teach only love for that is what you are. You know, it, it takes my... It takes my awareness away from some ideal future self that is just an abstraction in my mind that hovers over me saying, you should, you should. And and when that you should voice is gone, I'm now. I'm here now. I've somehow miraculously been healed of the idea that there's a present self and a future self, healed of the idea that everything isn't perfect right now. See, 
it was a subtle subtle split that I had going on and and, and it took a it took a miracle for me to realize that means and ends are one that cause and effect are one that when I decide to be a blessing blessings follow me um, why giving and receiving are one this lesson and this section together could be considered the entirety of the course and how in the threat he says of the lesson the lesson of the crucifixion wasn't about death it was about resurrection it was about how even in the face of extreme assault the most extreme assault one could imagine it's still possible to teach only love and learn that's what I am I'm not separated from an ideal self and a future self my now self uh, can navigate uh, this walk home in a way where I learn to protect his strong place within my heart and uh, it's a wonderful wonderful thing um, when I allow it to be when I allow my function to be the expression of universal purpose and why it is such an extreme loss of peace to not let that be um, forgiveness is just a cure for my mind's uh, confusion you know uh, I'm just confused sometimes but when I remember to be a blessing a blessing follows it's just so simple and um, and I need I need simple but isn't it just elegant the way he shows the steps and uh, describes the fruit uh, of following universal purpose I'm complete Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Excellent, excellent, excellent. This how to to have a to do list is is something that uh, um, inevitably does come to an end. It's so beautifully stated. Thank you. I had to do all those things before I could do it, though. <laughs> it's called the progressive path. <laughs> it could happen in the absolutely. It could happen in the twinkling of an eye. You told me that in the first chapter, the first time I read the book. But I still love rereading it over and over. It just sings. Thank you, Lori, very much.
think that shortens the, the process a great deal when I recognized I am what I'm looking for and accepted and recognize it as the truth. I am the peace. I am the joy. Um, like Steve said, that it's inside of me and I need not seek it outside myself. He said it so simply and beautifully. Thank you, Steve. Boy, that's for sure. I share that sentiment. Thanks, Judy. It strikes me as ironic that in all my thinking about the past and all my cares and concerns about the future that I, I miss being present, you know, and the, the whole practice of being present and now is, is merely a relaxation and letting go of all, all of my thinking and, and that's what enables me to just be here and be present and it, and it, it doesn't take any effort at all. It's really effortless and, and there's really nothing that I need to just open my heart and my mind and, and, and it's um, um, a, new, a new way to see things afresh every day. You can do, do the same town, the same streets, the same job. And, and it's same inherently in, in the quality of its goodness and its holiness. And um, you just learn to appreciate it that way, that, that um, every day is brand new and a new beginning and a fresh start. So um, I'll be quiet. We have a lot of background noise here. Sorry about that. Oh, thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. <clears throat> and thanks to Ida, Lana, Steve, everyone. Yeah, I, there's something there that uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not sure I can get it out, but um, yeah, this is about practicality and uh, not how to I you know I don't I don't see that there's any you know or I see the the pitfall of effort in and this thing of defining problems and then having to solve the problems ourselves. The problem is we decided that there was a problem, really. Um, not to lap up real challenges, but, you know, challenges can be opportunities. Like, like Lana says, everything is the where it's like the art of thought in the course of love. <clears throat> Everything is a gift. 
And if it's not a, if it doesn't appear as a gift, well, then it's a lesson, you know, a lesson in in the problem of misperception. And the problem, those problems of misperception, they will lie within each of us when we see through the eyes that uh, believe in separation, which I think is what the uh, what this uh, <clears throat> reading today is talking about, that the goal of t- truth requires faith. Anyway, I was drawn back to uh, <laughs> bringing in the, the idea of a problem. I was drawn back to a section, chapter 10. Yeah, the problem and the answer. And another, I suggest maybe this is a way to enter into what the lesson and the reading offer today is is a question from there, which is, do I want the problem or do I want the answer? And it says there that, uh, you know, I know that I, <laughs> I will complain that the course is not sufficiently specific for me to understand it and use it. Yet it actually has been very specific and I have not done what it specifically advocates. Not a course in the play of ideas, but in their practical application. Nothing more, nothing could be more specific than to be told very clearly that if you ask, you will receive. The Holy Spirit will answer every specific problem as long as you believe the problems are specific. His answer is both many and one, or I would say specific and universal. And uh, will be that way as long as I believe the one is many. And it talks about the block there to why, or block to asking is that we're afraid of specificity for fear of what we think it will demand of us. And this is the thing of, turning the answer back into the problem. <laughs> anyway, um, it does say, though, that yet only by asking, oh, great, there goes my, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> there goes my, my book I was reading from, excellent, um, that only by asking will, will we receive. Um, and it's, and it's not like a, requirement, but this is more of the alignment of the will, and we will receive it because it's ours already. This thing of uh, this, this thing of problems that every I, I want to say something like every problem can be seen in the frame of some form of denial of divinity of all things. And in the 
a specific problem, there is a specific denial. But, you know, the point is not to not to get uh, drawn into specifics, but to understand the 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 generality that is actually there, and uh, <clears throat> to reach for that as the answer to all specific problems that we may have. And, uh, you know, we do have to forgive whatever judgment has converted some aspect of, of uh, I'll put it this way, some aspect of the heaven we share has converted that into something that should not be, you know, something, a, a judgment that is interrupted our ability to see all things as as for our best interest. And I had thought to start earlier with uh, with this, this question of, you know, what is it for? And, uh, go to lesson 25 where it has this beautiful example it's like we understand the telephone is for communicating with people who is not who are not in our immediate presence but we've lost sight of what we want to communicate with them for you know what is the purpose of communication so that the goal of truth requires faith. And faith is implicit in the acceptance of the Holy Spirit's purpose. And that faith is all-inclusive. It includes everything. And so, you know, we can receive the specific answers that we need um, the specific form of the uh, <clears throat> lesson, which is fairly general and saying, forgive and see this differently. Or, I will forgive and this will disappear. So, I, I think this is, you know, the key like Lori says, the key to, can be the key to everything. It says, it says, in these words, you hold the key that opens heaven's gate and brings the love of God the Father down to earth at last to raise it, the world, up to heaven. God will take this final step himself. Do not deny the little steps he has you take towards him and uh, I'm complete um, oh we're way over time <laughs> that yeah. was beautiful Lemoyne thank you as soon as I log back in I'll stop the call you have a poetic close for this call Lori that was, Boy, I was really hoping you'd ask today
I really did. Because I've got a great one from John Rogel. It's, it's really good. It, it goes, uh, me. Hey, God. God. Hello, my love. Me. The world is completely out of control. God. I know. It's such an adventure, right? Me. No. It's like being on a runaway train. I need to feel like I'm in control of my life. God. You want to be in control? Me. Yes. God. You seem to be living on a spinning wet rock of a planet that resides next to a constantly exploding fireball in the middle of an ever-expanding universe that is filled with mysteries beyond your wildest imagination. Me. Um, okay. God. And on this planet that you are hurtling through the great expanse in, you coexist with billions of other people who have free will and their own experiences that shape their perspectives and beliefs? Me, yeah. God, and while all this is going on, your soul seems to be residing in the physical body that is such a miracle of delicate engineering that at any given moment could produce its last heartbeat? Me, right. God, what is it about your existence that you think you have any control of? Me. Um, God, come on. You know the answer to this. What can you control? Me. How kind I am to people? God. Yep. And one other thing. Me. What's that? How kind are you to yourself? Aside from that, most of everything else is a bit outside of your design. Me, that's a bit terrifying. God, yet fear need not be a part of love on this great adventure. Amen. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Lori. It's a little bit above mm. my pay grade. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Lori. I was glad to be asked today. That was a good one. Yeah, and I'm not going to stop the call. I'm just going to stop the recording.